'Twas a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a place that perhaps you've seen in your dreams. For the story that you are about to be told began with the holiday worlds of old. Now you've probably wondered where holidays come from. If you haven't, I'd say it's time you begun. For the holidays are the result of much fuss and hard work for the worlds that create them for us. Well, you see now, quite simply, that's all that they do, making one unique holiday, especially for you. But once a calamity ever so great occurred when two holidays met by mistake. Hey, gays and ghouls. I'm Sean Reedy. I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about holiday fun and hair-raising screams. <sighs> that was my best. That was bad. That was a bad <laughs> hair-raising scream. That was more like a... It was, it was a little limp. Yeah. Hair-raising. Sorry. Hair-laying. That's okay. Sorry, my ghoul impression was flaccid. Mm. <laughs> Well, if that ain't going on a t-shirt, then... <laughs> oh, God. So, today, we are transitioning mm-hmm. from one wonderful holiday mm-hmm. to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of just ignoring Thanksgiving because, in a way, fuck that holiday. Um, the history of it. Not For the family, sure. not the not family, the family gathering. gathering. Right. Well, I mean, the family gathering part is pretty much any part of any holiday in any culture. Exactly. Had. Yeah. But I mean, we did touch on it because we did the Black Friday episode. We did. So we we addressed Thanksgiving mm-hmm. for sure. Um. However, we are talking about the Nightmare Before Christmas this episode. Yay. My childhood. My teenhood early teens really mm-hmm. well i guess we'll get you into were that. like a toddler when this movie came out i was i was two you were two yeah, yeah. and i did almost see this in in the drive-in as a kid mm. um we actually went to go see it was of course you know how, how it goes double feature mm-hmm. um we went to go see if i'm not mistaken it was babe Sure. That it, seems like the right time. I My only two memories of seeing a movie in theaters was either Babe or James and the Giant Peach. But I believe James and the Giant Peach was post this. I believe so also. Yeah. Because I, I think that... I mean, Burton made James and the Giant Peach. Right. And, right? and so, Selick. Yeah. So... So it had to have been after this. Yeah. Um, and it says here that they reused the jack puppet right for it so um so so this must have been babe so we went to go see babe Mm -hmm. and then they were playing nightmare before christmas afterwards Mm -hmm. and my dad decided this is too scary for my children we're leaving and i was like but but i want to see this this looked so good (laughs) it's a cartoon um how can it be scary right how can this be scary um so i actually did not see this movie for uh some time until one of my friends in i actually want to say like middle school like i want to say seventh grade Mm -hmm. um 
reintroduced me to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one that would watch it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I know quite a few of those. Yes, mm-hmm. and I and I just about got onto that that train. For let me, a while. Let yeah. me jump. Mm-hmm. Let me let me jump and then what? No. Jump, jump. Nope. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Um. However, I while I I was basically like, let's make up for lost time and rewatch this movie all the time because it's fantastic. It is. Part of my, uh, I would narrowly say goth phase. Um, <laughs> to which I would reply, phase? <laughs> Fair. I, well, I wore black every single day. I suppose aesthetically. Yes, aesthetically. I was the, I was actually called the happiest goth. I do remember someone for referencing me as that. Yeah, uh, see, I I was actually kind of the same as a teenager. Was like mm-hmm. I've I've never really embraced the aesthetics of the goths or like the general sort of like attitude that you're supposed to have. But we, I always got along with the goths because we liked all the same things. Right. Right. Like even though I wasn't really in their circle, mm-hmm. I was still like. They'd start talking about, you know, say a movie like this and be like, what? <laughs> See, and you I was. You want to talk about uh, that? We're talking about what now? <laughs> See, I was absolutely in that circle. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. We can post a picture, if you'd like, of me as a goth on the Instagram. Oh, my fucking God. We're it's absolutely a... posting a picture of you as a goth on the Instagram. It's a treat. It is a low resolution photo, which is fine because. 2004 like something like that yeah that actually might be too far no yeah about 2004 2003 2004 something like there taken on like a razor yeah uh actually it was a webcam it'll be a treat for nobody's eyes but we'll have a good time um but yeah so i was definitely a an avid watcher of this movie Mm -hmm. um and I love that. I feel like this is the perfect time to talk about this because it's the beginning of the holiday season. Mm-hmm. It is the perfect transition from Halloween to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I often I I don't think I did this year. I don't remember why, but I often will watch this movie the day after Halloween mm-hmm. because the story starts the day after Halloween. Yeah. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, like right after I watch Over the Garden Wall. Right. But the uh, same thing with, uh, I mean, this isn't horror related at all, obviously, but um, I always watch Miracle on 34th Street on Thanksgiving because it starts with the Thanksgiving Day Parade. See, it's all about timing. So it's all about, yeah, you have these, it's just, you know, you watch. Mm-hmm. I mean. There like... are movies I watch on New Year's because they have, they take place on New Year's. Exactly. Or at least like important scenes take place on New Year's, like right. when Harry Met Sally, the mm-hmm. ending, and the apartment, which has basically the same ending as when Harry Met Sally, because they did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch Over the Garden Wall because it takes place on Halloween, so I watch it. I will say that I watch that like all of fall, though, but like I specifically will try to watch it on Halloween. Right, or at least the day after if you yeah. were busy on Halloween. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Before we get into the film, we should discuss Shock Tale Hour. That was a good one. That was a good one. Tonight's Shock Tale is called The Sandy Claws. 
so relevantly named. We're not we're not going to sing. 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 So hard. So hard you guys. Um the Sandy Claws pretty much tastes like a cookie. Mhm. Which is which is yeah, quite pleasing. It makes me want to kidnap the Sandy Claws. Mhm. And put them in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was that was. Don't do it! Don't do it! Um. So the Sandy Claws is a shot of Frangelico hazelnut liqueur, a shot of specifically brown sugar bourbon. Yes. If you don't have a bottle of this bourbon, like you could probably use Bailey's. Instead, it would be a slightly different flavor, but it would probably still taste cookie-esque. Mm-hmm. But I would highly recommend just getting a bottle of this bourbon. Yes. Because it is so good. I believe the brand that I use, just to throw it out there, because I yeah, don't know sure. many. The, mm-hmm. It's the only brand that I've ever seen use it is, I believe, Old Heritage. Okay. Half an ounce of creme de cocoa. And then half a cup of the milk of your choice. Uh like we said last week, we do not use dairy milk here at Friday Night Frights because we would like Sean to continue continue breathing. I really like breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to podcast without breath. <laughs> it's a little difficult. It's a little hard to do anything, really, without breath. It is not old heritage. It is simply heritage. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know why I wanted to throw old in there, but it is heritage distillery's brown sugar bourbon. God, like, I know, don't... the audacity. I mean, in reality, you could probably just, like, throw some bourbon in there and then maybe a dash of brown sugar if you didn't want, if you weren't able to get this. True. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. true. You could just make your own brown sugar bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> you could just make your own brown sugar bourbon. Yeah. Um, it, you say it three times fast, people, yeah, into a try microphone. It. Try it. Scream at us and tell me. No. <laughs> Actually, this would be a, a good time to bring up mm-hmm. if you did want to, like, you know, show me up and say brown sugar bourbon three times fast. Anchor, which is the service we use to distribute this podcast, mm-hmm. does have a tool where... Um, if you go to our page on the Anchor website, you can leave us a voice message. No shit. Yeah. So if you wanted uh. to do that, for any reason, not just to show me up, but for any reason, go ahead and do it. We would love to hear from you. That would yeah. be so much fun. Because, I mean, like, while we're definitely down to hear, well, to read a great email from you. It would be even better to actually hear your voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, contact us any way that you would like to. But mm-hmm. that is just another way that you can you can interact with the podcast. Mm-hmm. So the premise of The Nightmare Before Christmas is that there are various, basically a multiverse, if you wanted to find like a non-children's Disney movie analog for it. There's basically a multiverse um, that are completely separate from each other and they do not know of each other's existence where the holidays were created. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the film, you see uh, a forest and you see these trees with various doors that are shaped like symbols of the holidays. There's Mm -hmm. an egg for Easter. There's a turkey for Thanksgiving, I think. There is a Christmas tree for Christmas and a pumpkin for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And a shamrock even for... Oh, yeah, shamrock. Even St. Patrick's Day gets in in on the... Just in case you're listening to this in March. Right. Um... 
And each of these worlds completely embodies this holiday. Mm-hmm. We are primarily focused here on Halloween Town and the leader of, well, is he the leader? He's I, kind of the de facto leader because there yeah, is a mayor. There is a mayor, but he's like the, it'd be like he's the mayor and then like Jack Skellington's almost considered like the president. Yeah, maybe. If you had to go like full American on it. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I guess he's, he's sort of like royalty because yeah. they do call him the pumpkin king. Yeah, he is the king. So so he is the king of the... He's not the president. He's the king. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just realizing my phrasing was Well, but they silly, are. But I they, mean, they have American accents. So. They do. They do. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack Skellington is the pumpkin king. Mm-hmm. Uh, their entire existence revolves around Halloween. Mm-hmm. Much like ours. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's true. They prepare all year for Halloween night. However, as one can imagine, when your entire existence revolves around only one day out of the year, Jack's a little bored. Yeah. He's he's feeling a little burned out. He's not really enjoying Halloween anymore. Well, and he's he's overwhelmed with the amount of obsession that he gets. Like mm-hmm. That is true. Like he is like they worship him. They worship him, which is which would be weird. Yeah. For sure. Um, he just needs a, a bit of an escape. He needs a bit of an ex- escape, and he finds it when he is wandering through the woods and, mm-hmm. in fact, finds those trees with the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, he is sucked through the Christmas one almost by, like, a wind that implies that this is some sort of, like, destiny, mm-hmm. right? That, like, there's some sort of force at play here. That's not really, he's not really fully in, in control of these choices. Um, and he finds Christmas Town, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the opposite of Halloween Town. It is colorful and full of light and uh, sweet smells and laughter, non-maniacal laughter, right? <laughs> right. Um, and he sees Santa. Mm-hmm. And he is very impressed by all this. He sings a whole song about it. And goes home and decides that he wants to do Christmas too. Mm -hmm. And recruits the entire town into making Christmas. And they sing a whole song about it. It was so hard to not sing along with that statement. I know. Just know... In case we haven't pointed it out enough already, we are struggling not to sing oh, so much. these songs. So much. Like, we really just want to make this a sing-along. Mm-hmm. A scream-along. A scream-along. Oh, shit. That's what we're calling the watch-alongs. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that has been decided. Decision made. <clears throat> So here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with trying something new. However, uh, you need to be who you are. Right. And I think that Jack's fatal mistake is that he, he is trying to be someone who he is not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he's trying to force the entire town 
to be people who they are not. Right. And it goes a little sideways. A little bit. To say the least. Yeah. So he enlists three, are they children? I think they're yeah, children. Yeah, they're children. Uh, called Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Mm-hmm. To capture Santa Claus. Because Jack wants to be Santa Claus mm-hmm. that year. Um, so his solution in creating this wonderful, magical holiday full of joy for his town is to kidnap this guy. Again, you should really just be who you are. Right. <laughs> um, they enlist, kind of, or at least inform Boogie Boogie Man. Yes. Yes. They immediately, like... Run to him. Yes. They, he's like, leave him out of this. And they're like, we wouldn't think of it. And then they have their fingers crossed behind their back. Right. <laughs> because they are who they are. Right. Um, that's why they're wearing masks. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they kidnap Santa. They took him. They take him to Oogie Boogie Man. Oogie Boogie Man has uh, quite a bit of fun terrorizing him. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. Oogie Boogie is care. He's, he's terrifying. Oh, absolutely! Like that is that is an effective monster. Like just the like sort of almost shapeless and black eyes and the black mouth, and then like every so often bugs just come out of him. Right. Effective. Very scary. Um, especially when uh, the black lights can become involved and he, like, is glowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I really mm-hmm. appreciate those scenes. Right. Like, which I believe is, yeah, what's currently happening. That is what he we're is, watching. He is actually glowing right now. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate that every single, like, worm or snake in this movie looks like a sandworm. Yep. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> Tim Henry, Burton magic. Right. Henry Selleck was like, okay, we're putting these in here. Right. Um, another another major character within this film, mm-hmm. um, I will say in a way is while she's major, that it there is a weird, like she almost feels like she's thrown in. A little bit. A little bit. Like, I mean, I, I can see that. She, she's like, they're like, we're going to make this movie about Christmas Town, but then we're also going to make it a love story. Right. Well, yeah, because, you know, heteronormativity has to be involved in everything. So. Absolutely. Um, which, like, I do appreciate that the that the, the story does come to a close with that. But um, No, I mean, I love them. Yes. I absolutely do. But but you're right. And, and she doesn't actually get a ton of screen time. No, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She should. Um, so we have Sally who was created by uh, Dr. Finkelstein, Mm -hmm. Um, which funny enough has only has his name mentioned one time in the entire film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Otherwise they just call him like doctor. I think they just call him doctor. I think they just call him doctor. And I think he's actually credited as like evil scientist. Yes. Um, But uh, so he has created this essentially, uh, Frankenstein, female Frankenstein. Right, it's definitely definitely based on Frankenstein. He yes. Is, he, but instead of, like, human body parts, he's, he's made her, like, a rag doll. Yes. Yeah, filled with leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she is uh, definitely in love with Jack Skellington. Oh, yeah, head over heels. Um, and 
she is trying to live her life is really what like her her main plot is right i mean she was created by this doctor and is also basically being held prisoner yes by him and Mm -hmm. like you know she's basically just his servant yes like he says he's her like father but he basically just created her to do stuff for him yep um and she's also psychic yes she's psychic uh and uh is able to see the future so she knows with certainty mm-hmm. that Christmas is not going to go well. Yes. And she tries to warn Jack away from it. He does not listen. <laughs> does not at all. And the the funny thing is, so like when we get to, like, so just after she re- she sees the future, um, she was like holding a stick that turns into a Christmas tree and then, and then is suddenly burst into flames. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's like, oh, shit, that's going to turn south. Yep. Nice visual. Um, the love of my life is going to fuck this up, basically. Um, <laughs> let me help him. Happens. Um, and it's funny because, like, Jack is on this set path to have Christmas happen. Mm-hmm. And the townspeople, because they are essentially, uh, like, they're, like, cult following him, are like, yeah, we're on board. However, their mindset is so ingrained into Halloween Town because that is what they live and breathe. Mm-hmm that it does sort of morph together in a pretty horrible fashion. Um, horrible in a good way, but horrible fashion. Right. Well, I mean, pretty horrific to the people who are experiencing it. Right. Um, right. Because they are who they are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're there to scare. And to them, it's to them. It's not bad. Right. To them, this is joy. Exactly. This is what joy looks like. Right. Jack asked them for joy, and that's what they gave him. Mm-hmm. It's just a subjective term. Right. So we end up coming to... So, of course, we, you know, uh, Oogie Boogie is torturing Santa Claus. And Christmas Town is going about its merry way. They have not really realized, I guess, that uh, Santa Claus has been taken. Which is interesting. You, it, think, they would, you think they would notice that pretty quick. Right. Um but he just, they're like, maybe he's just off doing his, off in his merry way. Santa Claus things. He's Santa Clausing. Um, <laughs> as you do. As one does. Um, so there is like a little montage of like going back and forth between Christmas Town and Halloween Town of like how they're both making gifts and how they're both designing the, like getting the reindeer ready and and mm-hmm. all of these things that are complete polar opposites from each other. Right. Um so then finally Jack is ready to set off and um fly off into the sky with these floating ske- reindeer skeleton mm-hmm. and Sally this entire time has been trying to warn him and stop him from doing this. Oh, we should say that Finkel's Stein makes this oh, reindeer, yes. right? Yes. So he's like, like, yeah, this should take a few days. Right. He's also on board. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, so Jack sets off and is giving all these horrible gifts to these children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not so much that they're not cute. It's that they literally attack the children. Yes. They are there to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and even adults. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, anyone is just the children are usually there first because right. they're excited because it's Christmas. But right. yeah, any human nearby, they're mm-hmm. like, Rah. 
Well, like there was the one, uh, the one drop off that he had left a, a wreath on the inside of a door mm-hmm. and all you see is a woman knitting, a shadow of a woman knitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the close up of the wreath and it's, uh, it is a monster wreath mm-hmm. and it is ready to eat her. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course, like he leaves the children, some of the children, uh, a duck that has, uh, that is evil and has sharp teeth and bullet holes in it right yep <laughs> um that was an interesting choice but mm-hmm. anyway. um i mean i guess it makes sense because duck hunting right well um, yeah during the during the montage you see the vampires I yes think. so maybe they're not bullet holes oh they're probably bites bites they could be i mean they could be either i'm not i don't know that for sure but it is the vampires who are painting that on there right. so. so that would make sense yeah um and then of course the doll that is uh just this floating evil thing that's trying to attack the children puts a puts a very sandwormy looking snake under somebody's tree yep um which already tried eating with a person that was the the creature that was stuffing it oh yeah that's true that's true i forgot like the the snake is full of presents right yes (laughs) like a stocking yes a living stocking um so the so basically the world is going into chaos it's mm-hmm. turning into chaos you see this police officer answer one phone call and be like huh that's weird yeah you're you're being attacked by your presence right 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 and and there's like you hear uh news reports you mm-hmm. hear air raid sirens eventually the idea is that the the people of i guess normal world like it's not christmas town no it's just like our world yeah um are going to shoot him out of the sky. Yep. And Jack is blissfully unaware of this. Yeah, he thinks he, he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's like, oh, thanks for the fireworks. You're getting a little close, guys. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, you're, you're, let's go higher. Let's just get, get higher because these fireworks are a little close. Um, Jack is then, unfortunately, shot out of the sky. He does. They do succeed in shooting yes. him out of the sky, actually. Um. And that is when he realizes, like, oh, this is not going well. <laughs> this is not. This is. This was intentional. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like me. No. Um. And and considers himself a failure. So. Right. Does survive. Does survive because like, I mean he is already dead. This is what I'm. You know, and all of the the town Halloween town mourns him, and I'm like, guys, it's a skeleton. He's fine. What are they gonna do to him? Right. I mean, just put him back together. He takes his own head off all the time. All the time. <laughs> he sings about it even. <laughs> he sings a whole song about it. So Jack shot down. Um, ends up going back to Halloween Town. Um, and then we cut to Sally and Santa Claus being tortured. And uh, Oogie Boogie getting ready to kill them basically like right. he is yeah i mean to... he's done he has he is the the spider who has been playing with his prey you mm-hmm. know and now he's ready to just be done right take care of the business mm-hmm. um and of course at the last second jack appears and is jack. he is there to save the day mm-hmm. um there ensues a wonderful fight scene <laughs> between he <laughs> and he and oogie boogie um where, well, I say fight scene. It's really more of like a chase scene 
where Oogie Boogie right. has all these like random traps and Jack is like, like dodging knives or well swords from cards and he's dodging right. the yeah I mean the I mean I guess like we will talk about this but just the idea that they made that scene with stop motion insane insanity total insanity and it's so fluid too they did such a great job oh yeah like Mm -hmm. no there is there is no stopping in the stop motion no (laughs) at all (laughs) not at all not one single frame of the goddamn film no um so jack ends up catching up to oogie boogie and there is a moment where oogie boogie uh like hits a button to start something and one of his a piece of his string gets caught so mind you oogie boogie is made out of like a burlap sack right 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 right. um so his a string gets caught jack ends up grabbing it pulling it um and this is where we find out that oogie boogie is actually made of bugs right the bugs aren't coming out of his mouth because he like ate the bugs no he bugs, is bugs. He is bugs. <laughs> um, so Oogie Boogie is unraveling. Mm-hmm. And the machine that uh, Oogie Boogie was going to use to destroy, essentially, uh, Sally and Santa Claus mm-hmm. is used to unravel Oogie Boogie completely. Right, right, right. Um, it... It's spinning, and Jack wraps a string around it. It spins the entire skin, essentially, of mm. Oogie Boogie off. Mm. It's a very pleasant experience. I mean... Um, and this is where Oogie Boogie would be Boogie very melts. graphic if he weren't made out of burlap. Right, exactly. Um, and then Oogie Boogie is melting away and is gone. Yep. Goodbye, Sir Boogie. Bye-bye, Boogie. I just find it... Like, I'm sure that it was Burton's idea to call him Oogie Boogie, but I find it hilarious that Elfman was so involved with this film and that the character's name is Oogie Boogie <laughs> when his band was called Wingo Boingo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, was this you, Danny? It may have Did been. Did you throw that suggestion? Well, there's, and there's a funny thing with him, of course, which I'm sure you are also aware of, but I will, I will throw it out. Well, there's oh, a couple, yeah. there's a couple of fun things with Danny Elfman, let's be real. Um, I mean, because it's Danny Elfman. I mean, Danny we could Elfman, have, yeah. I mean, we could probably have an entire fucking episode just about Danny Elfman. Yes. Um, Maybe we'll do a mini sub. Oh my gosh, that'd be fun. <laughs> so, the terror is over. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus is saved. Mm-hmm. That's Christmas being saved. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack was, of course, worried that Christmas was not saved and Santa's like, uh, I got this. I got this. this. <laughs> We're fine. Right. He's I'm like, Santa. <laughs> I'm Santa. I'm magic. Hi. Hi. Who do you think I am? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Who you talk to? Uh, and then we get to really the end of the film. We are celebrating... Uh, we're kind of essentially celebrating Christmas in Halloween Town. It starts to snow and all of the townspeople play with the snow they play with the snow and they play with the stuff that they made. They're they're doing Christmas their way. Yes. They are staying true to who they are mm-hmm. while still having fun with this new experience. Right. Yes. Also a fun thing about that scene. What? So here's a little fun a fun tidbit. Uh-huh. 
So a fun little tidbit about uh, when the vampires are playing hockey uh-huh. on the ice. Uh-huh. The initial thought process, uh-huh. and I believe they actually did animate it. I don't remember for sure if they did or not. But the initial plan was that they were going to be playing with Tim Burton's head. <laughs> <laughs> And they they decided that it was a little too graphic. I mean, that's true. It is it is a Disney movie. It is a Disney movie. Um, they didn't even want it to be a Disney movie, and originally it technically wasn't under Disney. That's true. It was under Touchstone. Yes. Um, up until two thousand six. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long. It was that long. Um, we can get into that a little bit too. Yeah, man. But um, so Christmas is saved. Halloween is gonna be back next year. Right. We've had a good adventure. Jack's mm-hmm. off walking again, having his right. emotions, getting it together. Sally gets her man. Sally gets her man. They get together. They smooch in front of the full moon, mm-hmm. um, thus showing you the cover of the film. Uh, right. <laughs> and that's that's the film. That's it. That's the end of it. Mm-hmm. So... So to get into, since I since I j- did just mention it, so mm-hmm. like the fact that they didn't have, they weren't associating it with Disney up until 2006. Right. Like mm-hmm. fully, uh, like actually being considered a Disney movie. Right. I mean, um, Touchstone was a Disney property, but still right. like it was a different. Because Touchstone was their like adult version right. mm-hmm. of their film company. Um, but they didn't want it to be associated with Disney because they thought it was going to be too scary for children. Mm-hmm. They almost didn't, they didn't initially want to make the movie. Right. Um, well, they had already let Burton go once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they let him go. Um, Back in the 80s because his stuff was too weird. And then, mm-hmm. then he made Beetlejuice and then he made Batman and they were like, oh, fuck. Maybe we should make this happen. Bring him back. <laughs> he makes money. Right. Because Tim Burton was an animator for Disney. Mm-hmm. And this this concept originated in his brain, in his little thought bubble, mm-hmm. in 1982. Right. As a poem. Mm-hmm. And what's funny... Which is... I love that. Because... I love that tidbit. Because I actually didn't know that until we were like doing the research for this episode. Mm-hmm. And it makes the title so much better. Right. Like, that, originally, it was a poem in the same way that The Night Before Christmas is a poem. So it was, like, a direct reference to the... Does that make sense? Like... Yes. I don't know. It just... I It just... I was just tickled by it. Um, well, and what's... What I love about it is that the poem was only... It only involved three characters. Originally, it was just Jack, mm-hmm. Zero, and Santa Claus. Oh, and really? That was it. Well, hard to so, movie that, that, that. Right. Well, but like, uh, and that's why I feel like it was like Sally almost feel, felt like a forced, like a forced addition to mm-hmm. it. And I'm really thankful for it. In right. A way. Right. Yeah. I mean, there would have been, I mean, I, th- I think that one of the kids is a girl. And that's like it. And that's it. That's, those are your female characters. Right. <laughs> So it's like they needed her, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But so, th- so there wasn't even a noogie boogie. 
No. Or a lock, shock, and barrel. So, like, straight up Jack just kidnaps Santa Claus himself mm-hmm. in the poem. Interesting. So he's, like, a little... He's, like, implicated a little bit more. Like, because he is the hero of this film, uh, they very much focus on his good intentions right. and how he did not do any of this on purpose and like all of the bad things were sort of done separately from him Mm -hmm. and even the abduction of santa claus like he was basically like bring him to visit (laughs) right (laughs) um but it's interesting that and it makes sense and it's interesting that he was slightly more sinister in burton's Mm -hmm. original concept yes than he turns out in the movie this movie was nominated for an effects award Mm-hmm. Um, because it is basically one giant special effect. Right. Um, claymation had been done before. Mm-hmm. Never on the scale. No. Never this ambitiously. This was shot at uh, 24 frames a second. Because it is stop motion animation. Like, I want to drive this home. Mm-hmm. Because we're so used to digital stuff now. Right. Right. Um, each and every single little thing in this film is a physical object. Like, stop motion is animation, yes, but it's almost more akin to puppeteering. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So, in order to make them move, every single frame... They had to physically manipulate these physical objects by hand. Mm -hmm. The movie was shot at 24 frames a second. That means for every second of this movie, they had to move Jack or Sally or whomever or literally dozens of characters. Right. Because there are some scenes in which there are dozens of characters visible Mm -hmm. 24 times to get a single second of usable footage. If even one of those 24 frames got messed up, they had to redo the whole thing. Yep. The entire movie is about 110,000 frames. Um, oh, God. That is dedication. Mm-hmm. And there were... Uh, 60 characters there were like think of all of the facial expressions on jack alone oh yeah just jack uh every single facial expression on jack is a different head yes so like if he is talking or smiling or laughing they were taking a photograph essentially Right. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is what film is. Right. right. A film a film is just like a, a sequence of very fast moving individual photographs. Right. right. That's how you make a movie. But um, in this one, they had to move him or even switch out his head. They had 400 heads for Jack. That is. Lola, that is insane. <laughs> Insanity. Crazy. Just for um, one fucking character, that's 400 heads. 400 heads for one character. The sculpture department, the people who made all of these, was mm-hmm. four people. So each person just about made 100 heads. That's great. Made 100 heads. Yeah. Just for, Jack's heads. Just Jack. 
And like each character had three or just four. Jack. Just Jack. Just Jack. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Uh, there were over sixty characters. Each character had three or four like um copies mm-hmm. of it. Jack had four hundred heads, and there were four people making all of this stuff. There were over a hundred and twenty people who were working the set. Mm-hmm. In between, I think there were uh, there were eight camera crews mm-hmm. and two hundred and thirty sets that were again hand sculpted miniatures of the various scenes. Two hundred thirty sets across nineteen sound stages. This film is massive. Had a budget of about eighteen million. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the story is not the, the strongest plot of all time. No, it's it's interesting enough. It's interesting enough. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Technically, this movie's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like, it's art in more ways than one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sort of sit down and, and think about the implications of what, what they did here. Mm-hmm. For sure. So to backtrack again a little bit. Sure. So just prior to the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Danny Elfman mm-hmm. wrote the songs to this movie before any filming started. Of course he did. Because it's Danny Elfman. Because it's Danny um, Elfman. So he wrote the songs before there was a script. So they built the script around the songs. Around the songs. That yeah. makes sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Tim Burton, like, described bits and pieces of the film to him, like, the concept, and he's right. like... And I'm sure right. he read the poem. Right. And he's like, all right, there's a song. <laughs> like, Danny got it. Um, oh, Danny Elfman also, uh, we haven't said who played who, but he did uh, do the singing voice for Jack. Right. So when Jack is singing a song, that is Danny Elfman. And... I definitely want to address that because I didn't know for the longest time that Jack Skellington is voiced by two different people, depending on if he's singing or talking. I didn't either because it's seamless. It is like Chris Sarandon and Danny Elfman sound eerily alike. Uh, Yes. I would have never, if you had sat me down in front of this movie and be like, who's singing? I would have been like Chris Sarandon. Right. Clearly. Right. Like, I mean, I'd never heard Chris Sarandon sing anything mm-hmm. else, but, like, it's clearly the same voice. Right. It's not. No. See, and I was under the impression for the for the longest time that Danny Elfman was just purely the voice of Jack Skellington. Oh, so, we like, we each had half of it? Yes. Like, I knew Chris Sarandon, <laughs> you knew Danny Elfman. Yes. <laughs> Come together, and here's Jack Skellington. There he is. Um. So, I I think that a lot of people didn't realize that, or at least don't may, may not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they are two different people entirely mm-hmm. and yep. you would never know it. You would never know. Apparently though, apparently though, I, I did read, I think that, um, obviously Danny Elfman was on board from day one. Right. He wrote the songs before. Mm-hmm. Right. And they had already decided to make him the singing voice of Skellington. Mm-hmm. Right. So they actually cast Chris Sarandon. Because he sounded like Danny Elfman. Right. <laughs> Which is 
kind like, of weird. He's like, Chris Sarandon. Right. <laughs> like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like an unknown entity. Right. It's like, this is, this was, you know, Prince Humperdinck. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they're like, let's go find like a pretty famous guy. Right. Who just happens to sound just like Danny Elfman. Well, and, interesting casting choices. And not that I would want to take away from Chris Sarandon at all. Mm-hmm. However, why not just have Danny Elfman as the voice of Jack Skellington, point blank, period? Well, it makes you wonder if Danny Elfman's singing voice and his speaking voice sound very different. That could be. sometimes they do. Right. Um, this is very true. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on, like, I'm going to make a weird reference to this, but it's okay. it's very fitting in a way, for me mm-hmm. at least. Billie Eilish. Yes. Because everyone thinks that she's sing-talking, talk-singing, talk-singing. But, like, if you actually listen to her talk, she sounds nothing like how she does when she's actually singing. she's like a 19-year-old girl. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think 18. Well, maybe now she's 19. I don't know. She's young. She's fucking young. When she started, she was, like, 16. Yes. I just don't remember exactly how long ago that was. Yeah. So another character that is a very – is a bit of a surprise – in a way. Um, Not so much a surprise. I just always forget. Yes. It, because she does. She sounds nothing like herself. Mm-hmm. Um, is is Moira Rose. <laughs> Good old Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. I love Catherine O'Hara to the depths of my very soul. Yes. Um, she has played so many different incredible characters she has i mean she is the definition of like a good old-fashioned character actor yes oh and by the way i know that i'm like literally years late to the party but i just recently started binging schitt's creek and if you have not that show has made me cry so many times because it is well i mean it's just so it's like you cannot breathe funny yes but also like will absolutely make you cry sweet. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like scene, like frame to frame. Yeah. Um, and obviously everyone in that show is great. Like I love the whole cast. The there's not, yeah. there's not a single misstep anywhere, but Catherine O'Hara's performance is masterful. Like, I think that she is probably the one who's like, quote unquote, acting the most. Does yes. that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, she has to do that crazy accent, and she has to do the, like, exaggerated mannerisms. and David. Like... <laughs> David. <laughs> that, like, I... The way that she says baby is worth the price of admission. The baby. The baby. <laughs> Jocelyn has asked us to watch the baby. <laughs> so funny. So great. Oh, such a... Oh, God. Just the perfect casting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she was also in Beetlejuice. Right. Of course. Right. So and she, Home Alone. I mean, she's been in everything, but like, right. you know, if we're talking about things that are near and dear to my heart, she was in Beetlejuice. Right. So this is not her first rodeo with Tim Burton. For sure. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Tim Burton does. Right. He's like, I like this one. Keep. We're going to make 18 films together. Yes. <laughs> I'm keeping it. <laughs> keeping it. I like this one. I'm keeping it. Um. So I don't remember if we addressed the, I don't think we did. I think we talked about it pre-recording. Um, 
So a big thing that people tend to ignore with this film is the fact that this is not just a Tim Burton film. Yes. <laughs> this is a Tim Burton concept. Yes. Tim Burton wrote the story. Right. And he did produce it. Mm-hmm. However. This absolute, like, he did produce it, mm-hmm. but the magic of this movie is in the actual production. Mm-hmm. And not production as in what the producer does. Production as in, like, what the director does. Right. <laughs> and the director? Is Henry Selleck. Yes. <laughs> I was telling Sean, I used to host uh, Bar Trivia, which I'm sure is a shock to all of you. And uh, there was a question once that was, like, name three movies that Tim Burton directed or something. And every single team got it wrong because every single team put this movie down. Yep. I would have been the only one in the room to get this one, mm-hmm. right? Because I knew this. Right. And you know how I actually learned that? Because I was not on board with this concept. Like, at least not aware of this concept. Mm-hmm. Concept? No. This fact. Right. I was not aware of this fact um, until Coraline came out. Because Coraline, it is advertised as by the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was like, wait. But, but it's not a Tim Burton movie. It's not a right. Tim Burton mm-hmm. movie. Um, and, was, and that was where I was like, oh, this was directed by... This Who's was, this guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> Henry Selleck. What? Right. Um, who who was also a fellow animator in within Disney. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, they knew each other. Yeah. And, and you know, Henry Selleck has, has, has credited Tim Burton in a way because he, he did say that he wanted it to look like a Tim Burton film. Right. And it does. And it does. It is pure Tim Burton. Uh-huh. In the visuals, to a degree. Right. To a major degree. Um, Pretty big degree. Right. Speaking of the visuals, um, we were going to talk about the aesthetic that it has spawned. Yes. And it this is... This is an interesting, this movie's an interesting cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. because there are few films, there are a few, but there are few films um, that have hooked into the zeitgeist aesthetically the way that this one does. Mm-hmm. It has, it has inspired clothing styles and like not just clothing that is directly related Mm-hmm. to the movie and i think that's the difference yes. between like just licensed products which lots of movies have lots of mm-hmm. and a night and the nightmare before christmas i almost said a nightmare before christmas because the nightmare before Upstart. um hmm. the nightmare before christmas is that there are things that are made to look like they belong in the movie yes without being explicitly from the movie mm-hmm like a lot of things, like yeah. home decor and clothing and like fucking cookware, right? Like, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, mm-hmm. if my my brother, I don't think he ever got around to this, but was planning to like when he got his first apartment a million years ago, um, was planning to paint like a mural in his dining room of like Jack on the like hill that moves right. like the snaky hill. <laughs> the sneaky curly hill that's what it is um that kind of like and like we just said the aesthetic is pretty similar to burton's other films mm-hmm. or to to burton's films because it's not burton's film. um 
but this almost cemented it Mm -hmm. right like it's just very interesting to me because i'm i'm not sure why like i i can't i mean it's cool don't get me wrong i love the aesthetic of this film i i just couldn't give you a like a clear-cut reason as to why I mean, everyone hooked onto it and right. and like i find those moments fascinating where it's just right. like well how'd that happen well like because it because tim burton is an artist i mean through and through obviously. oh absolutely oh yeah i mean there's there's you know i someday i hope to see the exhibition yes of his art oh yeah. my god i want to go that was that was what i was going to bring up like mm-hmm. like he has a there is a full exhibition in is it portland it i think make travels sense. Does it travel? I think it was in Vegas most recently. Was it? Oh God! Then that bring it to Detroit. Bring it to Detroit, right. please. Well, I mean, I think they, I think they actually, I could be one hundred percent wrong about this, but I think they installed it at the Neon Graveyard in Vegas. Oh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't know that because I remember it well, being somewhere. Tim, but hmm? speaking of Tim Burton, sorry, this is a tangent and a half. I'm here for it. So remember when we were saying that we wanted to see uh, the original concept of Night of the Living Dead with the, like, aliens? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got pretty close to it with Mars Attacks. I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, speaking yeah. of Tim Burton. Yeah. I think we got pretty close to that with Mars Attacks. Like, you know I think that's the general vibe we would have gotten from that movie. Yes. It's funny because I forget, and I think it's partially because I've only seen Mars Attacks once. Oh my god! Which it's is very sad because so it's funny. fantastic so movie. Um, but I sometimes I just forget that it's a Tim Burton film. Aesthetically, it's a little off. Yes, like it it does not fit with other Tim Burton films. Like mm-hmm. it is, it was a departure for him for sure. Yes, um, but still very Tim Burton. Still, still very Tim Burton in in the like embrace of the bizarre. Right, but. Like, in terms of the visuals, not at all. Yeah, no. And very bright and colorful and Las Vegas and... Right. Yeah. Very different. Oh, that's probably why they put the expression on Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. That's actually great. A little tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... Yeah, I think with the... Uh, the like cult almost like cult, I guess cultural tie-in not cultural the the um what were we talking about with the the like the plates and the shit aesthetic thank you I don't could don't know why I couldn't think of that word I don't know why I leaned into the microphone as if we're gonna keep that in I <laughs> so. I think that the aesthetic tie-in is both you can credit both the nightmare before the nightmare before Christmas and Beetlejuice because they're very similar in a lot of aspects. I mean, like you mentioned, I believe they are very similar. Like the snakes and wor- like mm-hmm. they are very similar to the sandworm from Beetlejuice. Right. I guess that's why I was saying that it kind of cemented it because Beetlejuice was like five years before this. Right. Right. So and and the the sort of like Tim Burton aesthetic trend really started after the nightmare before christmas Mm -hmm. i almost did it again (laughs) (laughs) um so yes i mean obviously i mean you could put speaking of aliens you could put an alien in front of edward scissorhands beetlejuice and um 
the nightmare before Christmas mm-hmm. and they would be able to tell you that they all involved the same filmmaker. Yes. In some capacity. Yep. Right. Um, so yes, like it is a sort of larger Tim Burton aesthetic for mm-hmm. sure. But I, I just, I don't remember it. I mean, I was also very young, so maybe I just don't remember it, but I, I'm just not sure it was around as much before this movie. Right. Well, I think that it like, cause I feel like Tim Burton films have a tendency to become like, almost cult classics that's true they tend to because um, they're weird yeah right so they kind of tend to be a little bit of a sleeper in the box office and then they mm-hmm. become something much larger once they hit some mm-hmm. video and, and more people discover it mm-hmm. um weird little kids like right us. i mean over the years uh, uh, like because of you know the re-release of the of the nightmare before christmas in theaters four times because right, right. it was also re-released this year it was it was re-released this year in just this past past October. Uh-huh. Um, combining all of the money that they grossed in in theaters mm-hmm. since its release, right? Mind you, again, eight, like as you mentioned, an eighteen million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. It's grossed ninety one point five million dollars. Yeah, that's that's not chump change. No, for sure. But it took it. But it took it twenty five years to do it. Right. Right. So you. I mean, you're right, and I. I do think that. Well, and think of even the. You know. Um, we were talking about the the Beetlejuice makeup mm-hmm. that's coming out, right? Like I walked oh, yes. into, um, I mean it was pre COVID, so it was probably like a freaking year ago now. I walked into a Hot Topic, and I hadn't been in a Hot Topic in <laughs> ever. I don't even remember why I went in there. I think I went in there for pop, for Funko Pops. I say with no shame at all. <laughs> um, and they had like a whole wall of like Beetlejuice stuff, and I was like, oh yeah. There is such a a large amount, I feel like, of Beetlejuice-related art because it's so easy to transform into something else because the concept of that movie is just... That movie is another one that is just pure art. Yes, that is true. It is silly and goofy and weird, but it is pure art. And wonderful. Yes. It is and yes, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Like, like visually stunning. Yes. And... Um, distinctive yes like when something Mm -hmm. is supposed to look like it's from beetlejuice you know yep Yep. that's that is the funny thing about like tim burton films is that even though you know that they're all within like the tim burton universe so to speak they are all unique oh yeah i mean you can you can tell them apart you can tell like what was supposed to be in edward scissorhands and Mm -hmm. what was supposed to be in beetlejuice yes and what was supposed to be in the nightmare Mm before but at the same time, you can be like, oh, but there's a common thread here. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, but that's art. Right. Like, that's what that's, artists do. That's what artists do. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing, just to continue discussing Catherine O'Hara for a quick second. Um, another voice that she did. Oh, yeah. She did Shock. Yeah. And so, so okay, let's, let's, let's just pause here. Yes. So those are our two female characters. Right. Two female characters. They're both Catherine O'Hara. Same voice actress. <laughs> and don't sound alike. No, because, because she's great at voices. Because she's so good. She's I mean, that's, so, she that's why incredible. she's so great as, Mo- as Moira Rose. Right. Like, that's not what Catherine O'Hara sounds like. No, not at all. Um, she sounds like the mom in Home Alone, because that's the most normal character that I can think of her playing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah oh, for sure. I think her voice was pretty normal in Beetlejuice, but yeah, the, the mom in Home Alone is, yeah. is like, she's just a regular mom. Right. Except for the fact that she's, you know, 
criminally negligent. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> she's a completely normal person. Horrible mother. Horrible mother. Um, I mean, she has a lot of kids. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse, but there's, there's a lot no going on. There's no excuse for forgetting a child. Right. For losing the same child twice. <laughs> you did it twice. Come on. Come on. Um, and to continue with uh, multiple voice acting, multiple character voice acting, mm-hmm. Danny Elfman also voiced Beryl mm-hmm. and also did the clown with uh, with a tearaway face. Ah. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't sound like... Maybe that's why that maybe that's what Danny Elfman actually sounds like. Is the clown with a tearaway face. Right, and that's why he's not Jack's right. speaking voice. <laughs> so Oogie Boogie was the toughest to animate because he was uh he was big and he was pretty much shapeless. That's basically a direct quote quote from Selick, by the way. Um That's true. And can you imagine? Oh my god, can you imagine at the end when he unravels and it's just all these bucks? Uh he actually, so it's, uh, there's a fun quote with that. Okay, so, go for it. Um, so a quick quote from that is, so ultimately, uh, Rick Henrik, Hen- Rick Hen- Heinrichs, mm-hmm. if I could say that last name right properly, sorry, Rick, um, had to re-sculpt it. And then when he gets his skin pulled off and he's filled with bugs, he's like, that took some years off of a few animators' lives. For sure. Um, it's three or four killer sh- Three or four killer shots, and it took about four months. Wow. Thank God that last shot, and you can tell, of course, like when the when Oogie Boogie's actually like melting, and you cut away from him melting on the the machine, and he's like dripping into the mm-hmm. the goo. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that that's like an actual live shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> like there's just someone like just dropping bugs in the, right. in the gooey mess. Um, that was they're like, like that was easy. Right. Like that was that was the the. 29th day of the third or like the 29th day of the fourth month where they were like fuck this we're finishing this shit and we're done we're done here look i threw some bugs at you so another funny thing too because of course with this being one of both henry selick's and uh tim burton's most famous films Mm -hmm. jack skellington appears everywhere oh yeah (laughs) um i mean he's there's a uh, cameo in James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. There's a cameo uh, supposedly in, like, it, I mean, basically any of multiple um, Tim Burton films. Mm-hmm. He's spotted in Coraline, Princess and the Frog, Alice in Wonderland, the remake. Um, <laughs> Finding Nemo, even. He's oh, actually in there, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense because Disney. Right. Um uh, and he even apparently appears in Sleepy Hollow for a quick blip. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to find that. So. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then Disney was like, oh, we should make a sequel. <laughs> and Tim Burton... Conv- ended up convincing them not to because he's like, why would why would you do that? Do you remember that it took three years, eighteen million dollars, and we almost killed one hundred and twenty people? Right for this, let's not do that again. Well, and I mean, it's just so. What would the sequel entail? Right, exactly. Like, like he goes to fucking Easter Town. Like what? Right. What would the sequel entail? I mean, it they is did a complete story. They did kidnap the Easter Bunny at one point. They did. on accident. So, That's lock, shock, and barrel is just like, yeah, this is it, right? No. Jack's like, uh. 
That's... Take that. Take him back. <laughs> Send him home. What are you doing? So funny. It's the funniest. <laughs> My favorite part. So. All right. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. I for think that's the it. night before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we will be discussing. Well, we won't really be discussing it so much. Yeah. we. This is going to be. Is Should this be a watch? Should this be the first publicly released watch along yes so um most of the watch along episodes Mm -hmm. um which we tonight officially decided to call scream alongs oh yes um (laughs) (laughs) and i apparently already forgot this it hadn't been announced right um are going to be uh exclusive for members of fright club but every so often um, we will we will throw one up in the regular feed, and mm-hmm. uh, mostly we do this when we uh, want to watch a movie mm-hmm. and we want to talk about a movie that we could not like produce an hour of content about right. that was in any way, shape, or form serious. So mm-hmm. we're just gonna watch it and talk about it and probably make fun of it a lot yes. um, because it is Jack Frost. <laughs> and we are not talking about the Jack Frost made for children, about the dad no. that passed away and he comes back as a snowman. No, no, no. Not Michael Keaton. No. He is not a part of this. No. We are talking about the movie that is Child's Play, but a snowman. Yep. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, Jack so Frost, yes. the killer snowman. So so next week we will have uh, Jack... A, next week we'll actually have the, the Jack Frost scream along in the regular feed. We will have a, uh, at some point, probably within the the next week after that, maybe not the same day, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, scream, a scream along for Fright Club of Jack Frost 2, which takes place in the goddamn Bahamas. Yes. Because where else would it take place? Where else would it be? Not in someplace cold. No. That's for sure. I mean, clearly, yeah. it's going to be on the beach. Right. God, I love this movie. I mean. It's so bad. I'm so excited. I've never seen it. I, I didn't even know it existed. Like, yeah. I think that I learned it existed literally on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that they, I think it's recorded. Yeah. And released. Mm-hmm. Me learning about Jack Frost 2, and I'm very excited to watch it. <laughs> um, so that'll be fun. Join us for that. Um, follow us on Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Oh, let me just throw this out there as a little reminder in case you haven't, in case this is your first episode or in case you forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, we are sitting at, I believe, 56 followers mm-hmm. on Instagram. When we hit 100, um, I'm going to get a tattoo of uh, a flowery inspirational quote with Freddy Krueger's glove mm-hmm. involved that says, dare to dream. We're we're getting our way there. We're getting our way there, but just just as a as a reminder, mm-hmm. um, if if you want to see this happen, go ahead and tell a few friends about about our Instagram FN Frights Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we have finally posted something on Twitter. We did. Um, we are going to be so if you don't follow our Twitter yet, is in as well. I don't blame you because we hadn't done anything with it. Uh, it is FN Frights Pod. Uh, on Twitter, and what we're going to be doing there is we are going to be um, posting not only links, 
you know, and pictures and all the stuff that we do everywhere else, but also little uh, bits of trivia mm-hmm. about the movies that uh, don't necessarily make it into the episodes for one reason or another. Right. We had some like little fun fact about the movie. We'll go ahead and throw that up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a website at fnfrightspodcast.com. Uh, our email address is scream at fnfrightspodcast.com. So go ahead and uh, send us a little note if you so please. Like I said, if you go to our anchor page, you can also send us a voice message, which would be super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Fright Club. And Sean, what is the first rule of Fright Club? So the first rule of Fright Club is to make sure that you lock up your poisons. Very important. Um, just to make sure that someone doesn't poison you with them. Repeatedly. Mul- multiple times. Frog's breath. <laughs> Suspish. Right? Like I feel, you know, in, in the same way you've heard the, you've heard this PSA over and over again of like preventing your teenage children from accessing your medicine cabinets. Right. right. That is presumably because they are going to take the drugs. Imagine right. how much higher the stakes would be if they were trying to kill you. Right. Don't give that option. Yeah. Just Don't make that ahead, option Just happen. lock that up. Right. Just lock it up. Lock it up. <laughs> uh. All right. And so, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. And until then, sleep tight. Sleep tight.